I'm Kevin Coleman at the boys underscore 22. I am Jeff Bell at for whom J Bell tolls. And I am Christian Williams at C Williams NFL. And this is the Debbie Royale. I do this day in and day out all night long. Yeah. This is all I think about. This is all I care about. Y'all all I care about. Let's go, man. It's here. We televised. So you know we got to show out. Yeah. They talking junk. So you know we got to put them to sleep. Yeah. Yeah. Let's go, man. Let's go. Don't play. Let's go. We do this every day. We work too hard. Day in, day like I told y'all. They'll do what we do. They'll do what we do. They never know what we did. What is up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Debbie Royale, proudly sponsored by whoever will give us the most money. But on this episode, we are going the Mean Girls episode. And what we're going to be doing is talking about is rumors, baby. All about rumors on this show for the first part of it. And we're going to go draft rumors because I think that's where it's going to be. And then I have a I have a secret rumor for Jeff that I want to drop him. But we're going to start with the first one. We're going to go Christian because he's our, rel- our resident draft expert. Sorry, Jeff. Trayvon Walker, 101. Is that a possibility? What is going on out here in the draft, uh, so to speak? The, the crazy part about this is I, I feel like with each passing day, it's a probability and not just a possibility. It's such a projection, though. It's like taking um, an unfinished uh, work of art, so like a painting, an unfinished painting, and saying – I'm going to spend a million dollars on that. Let's hope it gets finished, though, because, like, he doesn't have a pass rushing skill set right now. He doesn't have Ben to win from a five-tech or, or wider position, in my opinion. That's that's my evaluation of him. And I think that that's a, an opinion that's shared by a lot of, like, Twitter draft analysts, and I even think a lot of people in the draft community feel that same way. It's wild, but also it's the Jaguars. They do this kind of stuff. And so I think – Vegas is now hedging the bet that uh, Aiden Hutchinson is going first overall. They have made Hutch the uh, favorite to be the second overall pick as well. So, I I mean, it's a possibility, man. I wouldn't do it. I, and, you know, I I feel like Balky has some level of brains, but maybe he doesn't. Jeff, how are you feeling about Trayvon Walker going one-on-one? You know, I think Trent Balky loves to take defensive linemen early in the draft, his draft history. I think maybe something like five of his eight first round picks or something like that have been defensive linemen throughout his time as GM in collective different places. So, and you know, he was the guy that traded up to get Solomon Thomas too, when he was with the 49ers. And I think maybe Trayvon Walker, there's some comparisons maybe to Solomon Thomas as a guy that can play inside and outside. Um, you know, I think you kind of touched on it. You got to the point where there there are certain things in my life where I hear something about them and I don't even stop to ask of like, would this make sense at all? Because I just assume that they could do literally anything. Um, you know, the Cleveland Browns would be one of those things. And the Jackson Jaguars are one of those things where I could hear any new in, you know, some people call it the Tyson zone. Some people have different names for it, but I could hear literally anything about the Jacksonville Jaguars and I would not be surprised. And so, you know, Trayvon Walker falls into that. Uh, and, and again, it, I think they're probably just looking at the classes, looking at the edges and the defensive linemen in this class and seeing Trayvon Walker as a guy that can project to to being able to do many multiple things. And, you know, when you're early in the draft, they're using ceiling ceiling projections and saying if he gets there, you know, we can use him along with Josh Allen, work him inside and out on while we move Josh Allen outside of him or move him out opposite Josh Allen. So that's probably what they're thinking. Um, and also they are not a very smart organization. And I, I told you guys in the in the group chat that I think that they desperately want to sell this pick. And, and I think that they are, you know, they, they kind of blew some smoke Agent Hutchinson's way and to see if anybody was going to bite on it. Now they're kind of blowing smoke walkers away. And, and they're just kind of like out there as the, 
you know, the last girl that hasn't been asked to prom yet and trying to figure out any way that they can get an invitation. I think Christian hit on the head at the end when he talked about Balky, right? Like, Balky's been terrible. I don't know if you've went through his draft history throughout his entire time. Like, Alden Smith was probably the best one, and that was his first one. And then after that, when you're going through everything that he's done, either release, free agency, trade, like, there was not a lot of guys on those lists that when you're going through kind of what he was able to do there. So I think that he could do anything, right? Like, I think that – the thing is, too, about I, – I like – Walker like when we're talking about Walker I obviously he had a combine of every combine he looked amazing um but is he that much better than like Christian Barmore from last year who went to the Patriots in the 20th round or excuse me the 20 in the 20s Christian so no um (laughs) I so here's the thing though if they're taking Trayvon Walker they view him in my opinion as a guy who is strictly an edge rusher because you can't take a defensive tackle with the one-on-one with that being said, I don't know how you can look at his body. I guess you look at his athleticism and you yes. say he's yeah. going to be able to develop bend. But the thing is, is like he hasn't yet. And he had every opportunity to last year. He was on the edge. He was out there setting. Now he's a really good run supporting defensive end. I will say that. But as a pass rushing three tech, you can't take that one-on-one uh, overall. And I I thought Barmore was fit, a fantastic prospect. That I think he dropped because of off-field things like motivation questions, you know, the, the typical thing that happens every year. So, um, but you no, know, I mean, I would, I would, I don't know my like grades back to back. I think I would have Barmore either right behind or like right ahead. They're, they're in the same tier, I guess. That's what I was thinking. I mean, and the Jaguars could have grabbed him last year if he had fell at 25, but then they decided to take ETN and then they, well, they hired Urban Meyer. All right, let's, uh, let's look at the next draft rumor we got going on. And it's glad that you brought up off the field issues and stuff like that. Kayvon Thibodeau falling. Look at that. Christian's a season vet now. Uh, I know that he just, I know Christian just did a mock and I just did a mock for the giants where I, I, I took him at five. I think you took him at the four with the jets. Like, I, but I was listening to Move the Sticks podcast today, and they were talking about him falling outside the top ten. It wouldn't surprise them. What do you think about this, Jeff? Would that surprise you? Not where we are right now. You know, I think that once momentum starts to gain in that direction, we see it. You, you see it happen. Uh, we see it happen every year. And it, ultimately, it feels like these guys end up as Baltimore Ravens every year. That you know, the guys should be going ten picks higher, and then somehow they end up in the Ravens and. Um, you know, I, I don't know. We see it every year. We, we guys that we know are productive in the college uh, at the college level are great athletes uh, that there really is no actual real red flags. And and it's a lot of GMs and, and teams uh, overthink decisions. And I think that we as um, people, you know, we, we do that in, in general. We overthink situations. We especially when we know that our careers are on the line. And if that's the thing that you've been thinking about nonstop because it's draft season and what are we going to do with this first pick that's you can talk yourself out of common sense moves. And, and it does kind of maybe seem like that's what's happening with Thibodeau because, you know, I've, I've seen the talk of his character concerns, but it, it just kind of seems like teams don't want a guy that likes things outside of football. I don't know. It, it's weird. The strange part about this to me is the character concerns are simply, um, well, so I will say that it's multifaceted, right? So he has a personality that does not match well. He is a very, very confident individual. One would call him, I would even call him conceited. My argument against that one is that is exactly the type of player you want in your edge rusher. You want someone who knows he's the best, is going to go out there and be the best, and quite frankly is the best player in this draft class. The other part of it, though, he has already talked about life after football. What is he going to do past football? That is just perspective. That is just a smart, very self-aware individual uh, or just very aware of what is happening or, and watching what these other guys are doing after football and saying, man, I want to pick my path right now. That is a good thing. That is such a good thing to plan out exactly what you want to do. I think he wants to be a broadcaster. He, he's kind of uh, alluded to that, doing his own show and things like that. He's got the personality for it. To me, this screams franchise guy. And I know we've talked about him falling, and I actually 
have been the one that said, I, I believe this. I don't think the NFL teams are really up with Gen Z or, or even the millennial <laughs> mindset. And that's exactly what this is. But uh, I believe on NFL Stock Exchange, um, Connor Rogers mentioned that this is a guy that Sala would pound the table for at four and say, no, no, this is my guy. Like, this is exactly what I want in an edge rusher. The argument is that I think Jermaine Johnson is exactly that too. So I think that that pick comes down to those two players. But yeah, I don't, I really, really do not get the cave on uh, falling stuff with a guy that talented. Now, did he put it all together? Probably not. But if you're talking about Trayvon Walker, I mean, it's it's levels and Kayvon is up here and, and Trayvon somewhere down here. So I don't know. The NFL, the, the NFL does stupid shit every year, every single year. And so I think that that's why we see him. I think he's going to fall probably out of the top 10, which is just blasphemous. I hate it. Do you think the Jets could take um, Johnson and Thibodeau and, and double up on the edge? So I saw that uh, when you tweeted out your favorite rumor. I didn't even know that that was a rumor. Uh, I have not seen that. I think that that would be crazy. Uh, I also think I wouldn't rule it out. I think that that's going BPA at that point. That's going best player available. Um, I think that they could use help as on in their edge room. I think Carl Lawson coming back gives them the flexibility to not do something that crazy. And they also have picked two picks at the top of the second that I think if they wanted to double up, they would wait until that. I still think they go wide receiver at 10 overall, personally. So so crazy like something that I would do or crazy like something <laughs> a crazy person would do? Um, Crazy like something uh, a crazy person would do, but also, Jeff, there's a little bit of crazy to you. So I think in your next mock draft that you're right, I think you're going to do it. That's my, my, my prediction here. I, it's not a bad way to go, like getting those two guys and you just go best play available. And could you imagine that division? I mean, that could be really good for them to do, especially in that division with the quarterback play and just go after those guys and make them uncomfortable. If you want to win that way, I think that's that's one area that you could go with. Again, I actually saw Thibodeau get mocked to the Ravens today, and that should frighten the shit out of everybody in the Ravens division because that would be a perfect spot for him. Like, I think that's what happens if, if he goes there. But this is how those teams just continually win. And I think that's the crazy thing. It's just like I, I feel like in the beginning of the draft season or ever, they always these teams that are just pre- predominantly bad all the time. They make the same mistakes early on. They're right. They know what they need to do. And then they just continue to talk themselves out of it. And, you know, one of the reasons why is because they hire the same worthless ass general managers and same top front office guys that are in their 50s and 60s these guys have been around forever saying oh we need to go after this we're not these new age guys that's why i'm super excited to watch minnesota draft this year some people that did it differently now and we're going to see how they do because it's it, it, should not fall out of the top 10 if he does they should people should get fired because he's going to be pretty good i would say elite and especially where he has but i think there is something to say with like this new kind of age of kids we saw with Murray, right, Kyler Murray and Marquise Brown. Remember rumors that he was going to quit the stream, Juju, TikTok. Like, there are things that people don't just quite understand about this generation. Now, we see it all the time. I do as a teacher. Like, this is pretty common. Like, this is who they are now. <laughs> like, this is it. Like, this is how, how you have to deal with it. And I don't think new execs or older execs know how to kind of deal with those type of deals. And I think that's part of it. Um, Nicobe Dean, another rumor draft rumor going on right now. A uh, little small, uh, you know, he's, he came in, I believe at 5'11", 229, right? So when we're looking at Nicobe, I was listening to the to a podcast. I talked to the guys today, Move the Sticks, the guys I really trust and I like. And they said that he could go outside the 40, top 40, if that's possible. Uh, so, you know, what do you think, Jeff? Does size matter for Dean? My bad. So I think that what you see a lot is um, – so what you see a lot is – the idea of being a hybrid and being able to do different things is it appealing. And, you know, like we talk about who's going to be the next Debo and the ability that Dean can cover and also rush the passer and uh, do all these different things are great on paper and, and in your mind. But I think that when NFL teams go to draft players, 
they like to play it safe and they like to select guys that fall into typical um, height, weight, speed requirements and that they can envision as a standard Mike linebacker or a standard nickelback, like things like that. And I think that that's, I think that for Dean, what you need is you have to have some creativity and allow him to, it's almost like a linebacker version of Troy Palomalo, maybe where it's like the Steelers just kind of said, Troy's going to do whatever Troy's going to do because Troy knows where the ball's going to go. And yeah. we're going to build the rest of our defense around that and, and cover it up. You know, if, if he needs cover up, but we're going to allow him to be himself. And I think that, Dean kind of strikes me as that type of player where he's excellent at blitzing. He knows when to blitz. He's excellent at covering in space. He's fast, but certainly he's small. And I just don't know that you're going to, you're going to need the right team that has the right level of creativity and is willing to take the right chance on him. And that's why I think that you will see him falling in the draft. And that's why the conversation I think is falling because again, like GMs, they, they like to play it safe and he's not a safe play. No, uh, it's interesting that you brought up the Steelers and Troy Polamalu because the player that comes to my mind when I think about N'Kobe Dean is actually Devin Bush. <clears throat> I think he had the same exact narrative going around him. Like, he is too small to play in the league. And the interesting part is that he did struggle to start his career. And so I think that's actually going to scare teams off a little bit. I wouldn't say Devin Bush has been a bust by any means. I, I think he's a decent linebacker. Um, but in knowing that these teams now need linebackers that do vastly different things and the Kobe, while he can cover and he has the ability and I think he has the athleticism and fluidity, I think that there are other linebackers in this class that teams are going to like more that can do it, but are also six, three, you know? Yeah. Uh, I think they're a little wild. I think the is better than Devin Bush was, uh, coming into the draft. And, and I was a big Devin Bush fan. So I'm interested. I'm interested to see because there's there are times where Nakobe is going now in the 20s, like in in the 20s or 30s even. But I can see a world where he falls out of the top 50 because I'll be honest, I'm I'm still somewhat early in my linebacker studies, but like there are some athletic dudes at the top of this class. Leo Chanel is a guy that's been you know mocked as a third rounder that is not a third round pick um i think quay walker is going to get some love i think christian harris we i put him in our mock draft because i've heard that teams are in love with the alabama linebacker shocker right um but yeah so I, I i'm interested to see where he actually goes because on talent alone i think he's a top 20 player in this class i just don't think the nfl views it that way someone someone said jonathan vilma is a comp what do you think of that I don't, I don't hate it personally, Jeff. Well, I, I think that what you're seeing, I know like with the Bills, and I think other teams, what you're seeing a lot of now is teams are going with two base linebackers, and they kind of want that guy that um, – so Trey, like Trey Edwin, or, uh, Traymond Edmonds can play in the middle of the field. He's huge, and it's impossible to get the ball around him in the middle zone, and uh, he's not a, a great run-stopping linebacker. But then you got Matt Milano that can, can move around, that can cover, and, and can be a matchup guy. And then you're playing, you're you're rushing with four, you're covering with five, and you've got two linebackers kind of roaming the middle of the field. And I think that you're seeing a lot of that. And there's there's elements in that in the the old three like the three floor defense has some elements in that where you've got two middle linebackers there kind of doing that job. You got edges that are rushing. Um, they and they have, obviously have three interior linemen there. But I think you're starting to get a lot more hybrid defenses in the NFL and a lot more base nickel because teams are running three wide receivers. And so you're, you're searching for one of those two archetype linebackers. And I think that that's where Dean's size and him being a Mike linebacker in the modern NFL really falls away because he, he can't cover, he doesn't have the size to cover that middle of the field. And I don't know that he's, um, there's probably more athletic guys that can kind of do that Milano area. And so it's just kind of, 
what is he in the current NFL? I think is a lot of the question. And again, it's, he's a football player and you see the instincts and you, you see him playing at Georgia and just blowing up plays and being in the backfield or being where the ball is going to be. He's a guy that clearly has instincts and clearly yeah. has the ability to get there. It's just that he doesn't fit into a archetype that you're looking for. And I told you guys in the chat, I'd, I'd love him if a team would be creative enough with him to almost use him as that big nickel safety, but also let him blitz and kind of use him like in that areas of the field. And there's not really, it's almost like Micah Parsons with Dallas's defense where, and that's kind of where I kind of think of Dean as like kind of being in that and certainly he doesn't have the size of Parsons and he doesn't have the athleticism of Parsons. There's only one Parsons, but it's just kind of like that type of, of role as opposed to just thinking about him as a traditional Mike linebacker. Yeah. Yeah. You guys know a lot more about defense than I do. All I will say is like, I just started really, really hurting my soul when Leighton Vander Esk is still on my, on my Dallas Cowboy roster and he can't do anything that Jeff just mentioned. So let's, uh, let's move on to the next draft rumor. A little bit of offensive side here, Sam Al, the new rumor is out there. He's going to be a third round pick which I think is kind of blasphemous, but I, I, I could see it too. It's weird. It's a weird process we're going through with Sam Howell. All of the, I think every team sent somebody to his pro day. He looked good in his pro day. You know, I think that, I think that he set himself, uh, he, he did well. I think we talked about on last show about him and needed to do something and he did. Third round pick. Do we really think so, Christian? No, I don't. I, I think Ultimately, there are teams in the middle of the second that would really like having a guy like Sam Howell. I don't think he's a first-round pick at this point. I, I did want to mention when we got to the quarterbacks, uh, and I guess we can couple this, this next one in together. So on the sheet, we have no quarterbacks in the first, zero. Bucky Brooks just posted a mock draft. Bucky Brooks is a guy that is very, very plugged in. Uh, he's on the Move the Sticks podcast that Kevin was just talking about. And he just posted a mock draft with zero quarterbacks going in the first. I don't know what that means. And I actually just found that information out as I clicked go live on this show. So I don't even know how to process that other than I think these quarterbacks could go a little later than maybe what we have convinced ourselves that the NFL will do. Uh, The NFL ultimately overdrafts quarterbacks every year, but maybe this is the year where they say we're not going to do it. And then everyone starts saying, I'm not going to be the one that does it. I'm not going to be the one that takes Pickett over Willis or Willis over Ritter or, you know, whatever it is. With Howell, though, I think that teams are looking for the guy like Malik Willis. They're looking for even Kenny Pickett showed a lot of athleticism at his workouts. And and I think that that definitely helped him quite a bit. Howell is not that type of athlete and he doesn't have that level of creation outside of the pocket. And so I think what teams are going to look at is, well, Baker Mayfield just flamed out in Cleveland. And for whatever reason, I, st- I don't like that comp anymore. I, I did because I think it's because they look alike and I couldn't shake that. But it's not really a good comp. Uh, but I think they're going to look at a guy like Howell and say, well, the modern NFL says that this guy is going to be average at best. And so I think we could see him fall. Where I get hung up, though, is Kyle Trask was a second round pick. And Sam Howell is significantly better than Kyle Trask, like a pretty wide margin, I think. So I don't know, Jeff, where are you landing on this? I, I go back, I look at Davis Mills last year, and, and I think that had Mills had a, more athleticism, he probably would not have landed in the third round. I, I do think that, I think Sam, obviously Sam Howell is not a dual threat quarterback. And if you're saying that Sam Howell is a dual threat quarterback for fantasy football, I have very serious questions about your ability to break down prospects outside of that. I do think that there are certainly functional athleticism in Sam Howell's game that he's able to move the pocket that he's able to, and he's going to be able to pick up a little bit of yardage here and there. And, you know, I, I said two shows ago that he reminds me of Russell Wilson in terms of that functional athleticism where, Russell's not going to be a guy that he's not going to run for 75 yards. He's never going to be that guy that's going to break that 40 yard touchdown run that you see in red zone. But at the same time, he can, he can paper cut you to death. You know, he can pick up five yards to move the sticks. He can move in the pocket when you're going to think you've got him dead to rights. He can keep the play alive. And so that's kind of where I land with Howell. I think he's probably still the most natural thrower in the class. 
and I think we're all kind of all three of us are in that same area and it does kind of you know smoke screens are interesting in the NFL draft because you can be talking about a guy going one way and the reality of it is they're moving the other way but you're talking about it because you want the eyeline to be moved and I think that there he strikes me as the guy that is most likely to have that be happening right now I mean, and to, and to Christian's point, too, just to talk about quarterbacks in general, there's a reason why Mitch Trubisky got the deal he got this offseason. I think teams were not enamored by these these quarterbacks, and you see all the movement, and they're saying, hey, we got to get in, in line for one of these guys. And if there was not a quarterback draft in the first round, so it'd be the first time since 1996. Okay, Now, me and Christian were still little tots. Jeff was 25 or 30 at that point, but like, so he remembers it pretty well. But like we, you know, we don't remember that. Far. But the, the, I think that's a testament to the quarterback class. I, I don't know. Like when we do mocks, and you, all three of us have written them, it's hard to play some of these guys. Like it was hard for me to put Kenny Pickett in the first as I was going. I didn't put him in the first because I didn't know where to put him. Like because as you kind of went through it, you're like, hey, and that was before this quarterback movement. That was still a Denver having out there when I wrote mine. And I, I don't know if teams are going to do that. And when you look at the the depth of this class, and now they can tell me if I'm wrong here, but offensive line and defensive line, there's some very, very solid depth. And so like if you're going to reach on a guy like Kenny Pickett or you can get an offensive or defensive stable piece in for five to 10 years, I think some GMs are probably just saying, Hey, if I can build around this guy, build that core, then maybe I just punt it. So then maybe we're wrong about Malik Willis going at the one Oh two, because maybe they look at it from, Hey, we'll just punt again with Jared Goff. Maybe we can get how later, if that's the case, maybe we'll just try it that way. And let's go get a top five piece that we feel like we can build around. Like, Trayvon Walker, Aiden Hutchinson, Thibodeau, all those guys. Like, I think that's realistic. I don't think it, I think there's going to be more than zero quarterbacks taken in the first because of Malik's upside. I think people are going to get enamored by that. And the Panthers are still sitting there and they're going to take somebody. And I think it's going to be there. But I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that maybe we're overplaying the quarterback position. I think that's definitely the case. But I, it's hard for me to think Sam Howe's going to be bad, right? Like, I, I still think he's a solid quarterback. I get hung up on so on no no quarterbacks in the first round. I get hung up up on the Panthers because the Panthers yeah. are a mess at the quarterback position, and they've been outspoken about going and getting a guy. And the Panthers don't have a second and third round pick, so they have number six, and maybe they get in a scenario where they feel comfortable moving back to like fifteen. And but then the Steelers have kind of been very vocal about loving Malik Willis and Mike Tomlin's gone out there and, and been on record about that. And so the Panthers sitting there at six is what hangs me up on quarterbacks. I look at three different quarterback classes come to mind with this draft. One is the Geno Smith, EJ Manuel class that going in, we knew was bad and it took only one bad team Buffalo to decide that they're going to take the tools. EJ Manuel in the first round and then everybody else slipped then there's the Derek Carr, uh, Teddy Bridgewater class where we kind of felt like these guys are decent, but they don't have huge upside. And all those guys, I think that might have been Cam Newton's class. But uh, other than like one quarterback at the very top, like everybody else went in that cluster in between like 30 and 40, essentially, that the bad teams they're picking or teams move up to get that fifth year. The other class that comes to mind is the Jake Locker, Blaine Gabbert class. And what happened in the Christian Ponder class and what happened with that class is we knew that these guys were bad and it only takes one and it only takes one. It only takes Malik Willis going at two or Malik Willis going at six that all of a sudden the Falcons at eight panic and they take a guy. And then all of a sudden somebody else wants to get ahead of the Steelers or the Seahawks take a guy at nine. And then the Steelers say, well, I want a guy too. And I think that they're, while you can project patience and say that teams are going to make smart moves, we know that this is the most important position in football. And we know that all it takes is, you know, we, we all do fantasy football and all it takes is being in that draft and feeling like, you know, we at elite tight ends or elite quarterbacks or whatever it is. As soon as you see that first one go, your mind, that switch hits in your mind and you say, I need to go get mine too before they're all gone. And and so that's, I get hung up on Carolina sitting at six and I get hung up on a team falling in love with Malik Willis, either it being the Lions at two or somebody deciding that they need to move up from above Carolina because they think Carolina is going there because Carolina is not going to roll into the season with Sam Darnold as their franchise starting quarterback. No. Well, and 
So there are a few different ways that we could take this conversation, but we definitely are not going to have enough time. The one I did want to bring up, though, is I think a lot of people made fun of Howie Roseman for taking Jalen Hurts in the second round when they had a former potential MVP candidate, Carson Wentz. And when you look back at that move, that was brilliant. That was a fantastic pick. You have your starting quarterback at least for, what, two and a half years now? Uh, say he say he's replaced after this year. You, uh, you won on that second-round pick. Now, of course, that's the second. But the reason I bring that up is there are so many transitional quarterbacks that will be starting this year, uh, whether it's Marcus Mariota, Mitchell Trubisky, Jacoby Brissett, whatever. Uh, <laughs> there are... Uh, Drew, yeah, Drew Locke, Baker Mayfield, maybe, you know, if he gets traded finally or cut, whatever. Um, there are so many different guys like that where I feel like teams are going to be more willing to throw darts because of that. Now, the Falcons, I don't think will do it in the first round because Alameda is a is their wide receiver one. So that feels like it's off the table. Uh, I do agree. I think the Panthers, I think the Steelers constructed that contract to where uh, they don't they didn't really commit to Trubisky, but they gave him a shot yeah. with incentives. So uh, we've been talking about this a long time, but it, it is very intriguing and it's going to shape the entire draft. If three quarterbacks go in the first round, we're looking at a, a vastly different draft. So, yeah. All right. Let's uh, let's talk about our next rumor. But I do want to give Christian props for this. And, you know, I don't know if anybody knows this, but we get shit on for our takes a lot. But we're actually right a couple months later. Like it happens a lot. And then all of a sudden it becomes consensus. It's weird how that works sometimes. Like and it's kind of it's kind of funny how that works. One, the consensus pick that Christian had all the way in January. I think it was January. It was February. Jan- I think it was early January. One of our first shows. It, he talked about Sky Moore being a first round pick. He tweeted it out. He got some shit for it, but he was right. I mean, we're starting to see Sky Moore jump up into that maybe late first area, and I hope he does it just because we have the receipts now and Christian gets his, like, hey, you dumbasses. But I I think that he could, especially with the need of teams at the back end of that first. You're going to be looking into it because I, I I can see that. Now, I on top of this, so we'll talk about Sky Moore. Should he be a first-round pick? Do you think there's a scenario where he could get drafted ahead of Trey Lumbers, Christian? So I go back and forth with this because the the rumor on Traylon right now is that teams are still in love with him despite the athleticism, which is a good thing. I think his film speaks for itself. I think yeah. he's a very talented guy, but I also see a world where teams look at him and say, well, he can't separate with his route running right now. He's very much so a project. And if he's not the athlete we thought he was, then maybe I'm going to bump him down a little bit. I also think he's an older prospect. Sky Moore's, I think, 21. 21 right now uh and Traylon is 22 that matters to some teams uh I think there is a world I I don't know how likely it is but I could see it I could see it yeah and and almost I said a while back almost every single team drafting at the back half of the first round because three wide receiver sets are so prevalent in the NFL and because the depth and and value of wide receiver in this class you could see any team like almost after I think maybe the uh, Saints are at 18. I could see the Saints taking quarterback. Like really, once you get past a wide receiver, once you get past that pick, I could see anybody taking a wide receiver because that's where the value is going to land in this class. And then that was before Devontae Adams and Tyreek Hill got traded and opened up huge holes to teams that are now picking in that range. So I think that while, you know, maybe the Falcons do take a wide receiver at eight and, and, now the Browns are out, but you might see a wait for a little bit on that first wide receiver, but kind of like the quarterbacks where once the first one starts to go, once that first wide receiver starts to go, then you might see that a rapid succession wide receivers go off the board, especially with these good playoff teams that have great quarterbacks and especially the ones that got rid of their wide receivers. Yeah. And I think when you're looking at it, just going through the list, I mean, I wouldn't put it past like the Chargers to make a splash. I know they have Mike Williams and Keenan. I still think the Chargers could be in play for another wide receiver. Like, and they see kind of how that that division is. They're going to have to score a bunch of points, boys. Like, that's going to be what they have to do in that division. So I could see that too. I, I, I agree with you on Traylon. I think there's a team out there that loves Traylon. I, 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 like, again, what we've talked about in the show, the athleticism didn't surprise us, but that didn't change my grade on Traylon. 
Like that never changed. I expected him to do what he did. You know there is one team that absolutely loves trailing. Nah, okay. I know. I don't want to talk you about know, it. Just... It's going to be the Cowboy. He cannot not draft. He's Arkansas going to be a Cowboy. I'm telling you right now, Traylon Burks is going to be a Cowboy. I don't want him to be a Cowboy, Jeff. I, I really don't because I we don't need tra- – I mean, we need – oh, well, I don't know what we need. Catboy is <laughs> out here just ruining my life. All right, let's do one last rumor here. Kyle Hamilton, I, I guess slow. I guess, you know, obviously he didn't have a very fast 40. We know that. Uh, it was a four seven, right? It was. Uh, so he ran four five at the combine, and then four seven at his pro day, which not a good sign. I, I feel weird. like I, I feel like it should be the opposite, but <laughs> alas. If you're running well, around Kyron Williams' speed, I get a little worried um, about that. I mean, I know he is slow because he went to Notre Dame. So yeah, are we? Wor- <laughs> I mean, it, it, this feels like NFL teams like Thibodeau, right? Like outsmarting themselves here, like. I, I still he's got to go top 15 still right no no so he should he, he should go top five I mean he's a very very talented player it doesn't matter what he runs in the 40 he ran sideways at the combine like yeah he clearly did not train for this because he does not care he knows that his film speaks for himself or it speaks for itself. He can run from the opposite hash and pick a ball off on the opposite sideline. Come on. I don't care about your freaking 40 time, but teams will. And a a, a narrative that I've heard a lot is that if Derwin James fell to 17 or 18 or wherever he fell, then Hamilton's probably going to go in that range too, because I would argue that Derwin as a prospect they're they're similar. I think Hamilton's probably a little better, but they're similar. So I could see in my latest mock, I think I had the Vikings taking him at 12, so still top 15, but that was before he ran 4-7 at his freaking pro day. So who knows? Teams do weird stuff. That's sh- that's going to be my new motto. Sorry. I swear to God, if the Cowboys if, – if he somehow falls to 24 and Traylon Burks and Hamilton are there and we take Burks, I might not be a Dallas fan anymore. Like I, I might just say, F it, I'm going to go be a Bills fan because they lose all the time too in big games and it doesn't matter to be like home and I'll just go there with Jeff. Because if Hamilton's on the board at 24 or if he's even close, if he's at like 18 or 19 and the Cowboys don't try to move up, we haven't had a safety in 20 years. Like, we have not had a good safety. And if he could be on the board, he pair him with Parsons. Uh, alas. Do you have anything with Hamilton, Jeff, before I lose well, my mind? And have we just know that teams value – there's four things that teams typically value in the first round. They look at quarterbacks. They look at wide receivers. They look at tackles. And they look at edges and five corners. So that's really what teams are. And teams devalue safety. We've seen it. And so that's kind of where – uh, you know, I, and dumb teams do dumb things. And so that's where you can kind of talk yourself into, well, a dumb team saying if he's a four, seven guy, I don't think he can be our center fielder. So I don't know what we can use him for. So that's just where I, I keep going back to last year when I, I heard um, on a podcast, I was moved to six podcast. They were talking about GMs and they were going through it and they're just saying great minds want to draft good safeties like great safeties that's like that's how good teams win and i go back to it all the time and i'm just like then why do keep why do teams keep just screwing that up like at a certain point you would think these teams are but they don't and then they don't and then we get stuck with this but that's also why there's shitty dynasty managers out there so let's uh let's go on to we're gonna be looking at new processes here who are we higher on, higher on right now more than when we started earlier just in the season? Remember, we've been watching these guys for a very long time. I've seen some takes out there like, oh, first film, I'm ready to pop on. It's March 29th. That's ridiculous. You should be getting your dynasty advice from people that actually watch these people for longer. Jeff, who's someone that you're higher on now than when you first started the process? You know, I, I reflected on my top 10 wide receivers that I, I wrote back in January, and I didn't have Christian Watson in my top 10 wide receivers. And he, you know, he crushed the senior bowl. He crushed the combine. His relative athletic score is fantastic. There's so much buzz around him that it. I think I'm sitting at maybe a wide receiver eight now for me. Um, and that, that's a guy that, um, yeah, he was off the radar at North Dakota State. And, and we play our Debbie games and we play our C2Cs. And we, you know, it, we kind of have some holes when it comes to the smaller school guys. And so that's a guy that he's just gotten so much positive buzz through every single step. And, and it's really hard to ignore him now. 
I like it. Um, do you want me to roll into mine, mine, Kevin? Yeah. Fire away. Yes. Uh, so I put Rashad White, and I want to be clear that Rashad White was my RB7 seven when I first started my process. Like the first grade I put on him, he landed at seven. He has climbed all the way up to four. I didn't think Rashad White was that level of athlete that we saw. And I know everyone's saying, well, athleticism isn't the only thing. No, but like Rashad White was fantastic, and I didn't think he was an athlete. So now that he's fantastic and he's an athlete, he is uh, a top five running back for me. People are getting hung up on the age. I don't care. Uh, I still have him that high because I think that he's going to find a role in the NFL. Someone comped him to Antonio Gibson. I actually kind of like that comp. I'm not going to steal it, but I might. So whoever said that, be aware. I might steal your take. But uh, no, Rashad White, I think he probably gets day two capital too, which would be great news. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I think there's a scenario where White goes ahead of Spiller in terms of rookie drafts and those type of things now. And oh yeah, I think that's okay. Uh, my guy's Drake London, and part of it is just because I got worried about, I guess his frame, but also kind of I worry about receivers like him. Uh, but I, I, I've just seen you know smarter people than me, especially in the NFL circles, love him. I think that he could get very high draft capital. I think he could easily go ten to the Jets. Uh, and I think that he's just someone that I, he wasn't off my board, obviously, but he was someone that I definitely had behind some guys. And now I'm starting to think he's going to go in the top five or super flex drafts, at least top six. And so I just got to correct that process a little bit. I do like Drake more than I had in the past. Yeah. All right. Let's start over. Who's still dead to us? <laughs> Jeff, who's uh, it's burn the book? It's the burn book, you know, the Mean Girl episode. So this is our burn book. So this is where we're going to say bad things about guys. And, and you know, we like to keep it positive, but we're going to get bad. And and so my guy is Kyron Williams. And I think that there is still, despite his athletic testing, despite his measurables, there are still people that have that Debbie mindset and thought preseason that he's running back one or whatever, running back four, whatever it might be in the class for you. And I still see the takes that, you know, second, late second rounds, great value for him. What do you think that he's going to be? Because you've got a, it was 180 pounds or whatever he is now. And <laughs> you know, he's slow. So in fantasy, he's never going to be a feature back. And so best case scenario, you're hoping for what exactly? You know, Naeem Hines, he's not the athlete that Naeem Hines is. And even Hines, after the Colts paid him, they just decided to give the ball to Jonathan Taylor. So you're betting into best case scenario, a third down back. And this class is so loaded with guys who can be early down backs, who could potentially grow into three down roles, who could be goal line backs, who can get work in the passing game, that if you're deciding that Kyron Williams is still pretty agile and a good pass blocker, <laughs> so you're going to draft him in your rookie draft in the late second round, go home. Stop. Stop. Just stop. <laughs> I love it. Uh, I love it. I got yelled at actually um, because I said that. So Kyron is my like RB 13 or something right now, um, just oh, based yeah. off of, you know, intangibles and things like that. And I got yelled at because uh, it was the person I was speaking with. It was their RB one. And I got yelled at for my process, knocking him because of his bad workout. And I said, well, listen, man, I've been low on him. Uh, and this actually, this updated relative athletic score actually moves him higher he was down in 21 uh poor Kyron. no hold on can uh, i know? say something else too that yeah. person sent out a thing and asking christian well do you write for a site first of all that doesn't matter to me and then he said look at my last kyron williams profile from december bro <laughs> it is march 29th it's been a while and there's a lot of different stuff that's happened since december with kyron williams what are that's we doing thing. We can't, we yeah. can't stop evaluating. I hope I win the show. I have a nice uh, Jeff's corner featuring ah. Christian. Um, so I, I hope I win today. I, I actually, so my, my burn book uh, nominee here is Jalen Weidermeyer. Uh, we had talked about Weidermeyer and Jeff specifically, I think hit on it where Weidermeyer is kind of like the Chiron of tight ends and that people think he's something that he's not. Where Weidermeyer was super intriguing, I think, is his size uh, and hands combo. He's got pretty good hands at contested catches. 
But when you mix his lack of athleticism, like extreme lack of athleticism, with the fact that he just didn't get better, and honestly, I think he got worse, and he doesn't block very well, and this tight end class is absolutely loaded, like loaded, loaded. Jalen Watermeyer is like barely cracking my top 10 tight ends, I think, and I've only scouted like 14. So, uh, and I don't even know, he might be like 13 or 14 now. So uh, I just am not touching him. And I know he's, he was a high Debbie pick. I feel bad for those investors, I guess is what we'll call them. Uh, Cause your return sucks. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's true. Uh, I think I, I, I don't think you, get, you can't draft Widemeyer in a rookie draft right now. I don't, I don't see how you can. Not do at that. all. Uh, all right, Justin Ross is mine. Justin Ross ran a four six three forty in the at his pro day. He's he, stop saying he's a sleeper. I, I just can't do it anymore with Justin Ross guys. Like I, he didn't have he didn't he didn't test very well. You don't know if he's going to be able to stay healthy. He has a hairline fraction in his foot in 2021. He's got his neck fusion stuff going on. Like he is the most do not draft prospect I've ever seen. And people are still touting him as a set late second, third sleeper. And you know what? If he hits, I'm 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 rooting for the kid, but I'm not gonna I'm not gonna waste my draft capital on someone with those with those red flags. And and that's just kind of how my bottom line is with him. So I, before we move on to the next segment, I wanted to take a minute. So we named this episode Mean Girls, and we started this episode out talking about rumors and talking about our burn books and, you know, not being generally very nice. But one of the things about Mean Girls, if you've never seen the film, I highly recommend it, is it's a very <laughs> redeeming story. And it talks about not judging things at face value. And I think that that happens a lot on Twitter. I think that things get taken at face value and everybody assumes everybody else is a moron and everybody walks into every conversation with that that kind of point of view. And so I wanted to name this show Mean Girls, but I also wanted to, to say that maybe we need to stop assuming the worst in in every single um every single conversation you're going to have on Twitter. And, you know, we're all here because we all love fantasy football. And certainly when you add the industry aspect and, and what uh, the competition supposedly for jobs out there, you know, it, it, it can create a hostile environment, but you're doing more harm than good. If you're going to participate in that and you're going to do things like that. And I, I know I can, I think we can self-reflection is important and I can get negative um, with the best of them. And, and I have my moments as well. And I tr try very hard to not do that and try to focus on what's important. But I think that this episode being Mean Girls and, and just kind of taking a step back and, and focus on um, how you can improve in the space, but also how you can help others get better. Yeah, whatever. All right, let's go to the sportsbook rundown. All right, let's talk about – let's go through it. Christian, you won 3-1, to one, and me and Jeff tied. Let's get into some more college basketball. Yeah, so I did win for the first time in what feels like ages, uh, and I don't even know how. I don't know which one it was. I think it might have been Arizona, my Arizona pick. Um, so this – we're going to pick the rest of the games. There's only three games left, uh, and the first one we're picking is Kansas – against Villanova. Kevin, who are you taking? I'll take Kansas. Moore is out for Villanova. I'm not taking yeah, Kansas. it's tough. Jeff? I'll, I'll do Kansas as well for the same yeah. reason that Kevin just said because Kevin said it. <laughs> Smart. Uh, I'm taking Kansas as well. I just think that Kansas is uh, – they were destined for the national championship. So um, next one, Kevin, this is this is our fun one. Uh, the first time these two teams are meeting yeah. in the NCAA tournament, North Carolina versus Duke, in what could be Coach K's final game ever. Kevin, yeah. who you taking? A little word in this game. I got to take Duke. I'm not picking against Duke. It just This feels like a total Coach K overcoached trash game where North Carolina is going to win by 15. Again, that's how it goes. Yeah. Jeff? I'm going to take Golly, you know, the the poeticness of Coach K's career ending against North Carolina is something else. Um, but I am I think that fate has a way of intervening, and I will take Duke. Yeah, so here's the thing. I think everything's rigged uh, for money. Shout out Ayesha Curry. 
and I think that a Duke Kansas national championship is exactly what everyone wants to see. Uh, because that's kind of like you're handing the torch off to the next best coach in college basketball, in my opinion. Uh, but I have to take North Carolina because I'm not a trader. And uh, so I'm going there because uh, uh, what's his name? The new, the new coach. I forget his name already um, no, for North uh, Carolina. He's, he's Hubert. He's Hubert Davis. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Hubert is going to be the best coach ever. That's what I think. So uh, now <laughs> we're going to pick our, our national champion. Uh, so you guys would have uh, Kansas versus Duke and I have Kansas UNC, Kevin, who you taking as national champion? I'm going to go Duke, baby. All right. Jeff? I'll do Kansas for purposes of the show. Yeah, I mean, you know, I'm going to lose, and I know that, but I'm going to take North Carolina. It's okay. Good for you. I don't win. You, I don't win this anyway. You need it after, uh, after that rough football season you guys had uh, over there. That's, that is true. That is true. All right. That'll do it. That's all the all the things. All right, let's play some poker. So we're going to play poker on the screen. If you're listening on the podcast, we're going to talk about uh, most of the gain and lose from pro days. Uh, this week, we got Alabama pro day, Baylor, Colorado State. Not sure how they got on there. Tennessee, Texas Tech, and Western Kentucky. So, Christian, who do you got as your kind of your guy? Yeah, so most of gain this week, I think, is Eric Azucama. I've been uh, warming back up to Eric Azucama as a really good prospect. He's within my top 15-ish wide receivers, I believe really, really nice player after the catch. I worry about his ability to separate, but if he runs a good 40 time, I think people are going to like him a little bit more. All right, so we have a 10 of hearts, a three of spades, and a nine of hearts that's been thrown out, and Christian throws up a king of hearts. My guy and my guy is Abram Smith, and I've loved Abram Smith's. Um, I just loved the story last year. I loved his production. I loved his physicality at the running back position. We haven't gotten testing out of Abraham Smith and or Abram Smith, and coming into the Baylor's pro day, um, I'm you know, and maybe I'm wrong. Maybe he's not going to test, but this is kind of the chance for him to show his stuff and you know see if is he going to be a low four fives back or is he a four six guy and we can just delete him and and jeff's dreams are crushed and forgotten about but he's got a lot to gain here in this class and a lot of ground to make up Ooh, a 10 of spades i got a pair of tens wow when i said i didn't want christian to win i didn't want you to win either all right <laughs> let's uh let's go with my guy john mentioned a third to me i think you know when you're looking at Mechie, I think he was higher on boards than he was. He should have been. And now he's kind of fallen a little bit lower than I think he has. If he has a good pro day, maybe he runs a little faster. Maybe they see him kind of – he just he just shows out in drills and performances. Like, we could see him – I think I think there's some teams out there that like Mechie. Maybe he gets moved up in his draft capital too. And maybe he finds himself in a good location. And then you got to consider maybe he's going to be a value. So, I think Mechie has a little bit to kind of gain from this week. A four of spades. Kevin's got nothing. All right. Uh, Kevin made a comment about uh, how to call out of state. I forgot McBride was the only guy on the team. My bad. That's on me. Yeah. So I, I had to put it on there because the most to lose player for me this week is Trey McBride. He did not run at the combine. And I think that if he does run, which I think teams want him to run, I think if he does run, he could hurt his stock a little bit. Uh, compared to some of the other tight ends that are just running blazing forties and super athletic. So uh, I would recommend not doing that Trey, if you're listening. I considered right. uh, Colorado State just McBride's last year, so I that's but that's why I forgot. Yeah, a that's true. queen of queen of diamonds. So Christian has some fun cards, but nothing. Um, first, Joey, the buy-in is your soul, and next, uh, Z. I was on Abram Smith <laughs> first, but anyways. So, I, I my guy is uh, Tyquan Thornton, and the reason my Tyquan Thornton is my guy is he you know, he had the fastest forty time, and that. He's a mystery box now because of that. You know, he didn't have any production really until his final year at Baylor. Goes out there and breaks the blazes the combine, has the fastest 40 times. So there's questions about what this guy is. And, you know, anytime you're going to have the fastest time, that's going to raise attention. So he's going to be under a microscope. And if he doesn't show out at this pro day, he could lose all those gains. But at the same time, if he does, then he could be a very interesting conversation that we're probably all a little bit too low on but I got a jack of spades. And so I just have that pair of tens right now. All right. 
my guy's Bailey Zappi. I just kind of threw him on here because if he doesn't, if he doesn't look very good, if his arm strength doesn't go up, if there's a little, a lot of things that go wrong for him, we can see him kind of slip down the draft board. I don't expect him to ever be really a fantasy asset, but he could be like Colt McCoy. Colt McCoy is still collecting checks. I feel like Bailey Zappi can collect some checks in the NFL, and so if he if he if he looks okay, maybe he does better than we expect, maybe he gains stuff. But if he doesn't look good, the arm strength's not there, maybe the accuracy is kind of struggling, and maybe he just doesn't throw well. I think maybe he could lose a lot, especially for just he could lose millions potentially, backup millions. Yeah, huh? Look at that, Jeff wins. Eight of diamonds, Jeff wins. That means we go to our final game, and our final game is going to be blackjack. The way we play blackjack. We throw it up and we ask trivia questions and you get it right. You get a beneficial outcome. You get it wrong. You get a non-beneficial outcome. So Christian is going to lead us off with a 16. Kevin is throwing up a 13 and I have a 12, which (laughs) could be really good in this game. Would somebody have a, let's see, it's Kevin's. No, it's my turn because I have the low. So somebody have a trivia question for me. Yes, yeah. I do. Oh, go ahead. He, okay. Uh, who was the first number 16 seed to upset a number one seed in the NCAA tournament? Oh, it was um, Maryland. Um, golly, what was it? They beat Virginia. It was, they were like the Greyhounds. God, I can't think of what the name of it was. It was you... Maryland um, something. I don't know. I can't think of it. Can we give you like half a point? I don't think that works. So University of Maryland, Baltimore County, and they weren't yes. the Greyhounds. They were the Retrievers. So retrievers. like you were, you were right there. You're right. That's right there, but I did not get it right. <laughs> All no. right. And I, that's a, a bust. So I busted. So Kevin. Kevin All right, Kevin. Who was the last quarterback selected in the 2021 NFL draft? <laughs> the last quarterback selected in the 2020 NFL draft. Uh, man. You know, I have no idea, but I'm just going to say the guy who should have been drafted last now is Kellen Mond. <laughs> it, was, it was Sam Ellinger was the last guy no. drafted. So you busted too. That means Christian wins, and Christian wins the show. Wow. That's exciting. Can I ask Christian my question, though? Because there's a North Carolina question, and I want to see if you got it. Sure. All right, Christian, who did Michael Jordan beat for the national title in 1983? Damn, I just saw this today. Um, I don't know, though. I don't know who the opponent is. Typical Tar Heel fan. Typical Tar Heel fan. Uh, Yes, Georgetown. Uh, Patrick Ewing. What year was that? (laughs) 1983. Jeff was alive. I was was negative 11, bro. (laughs) I was not alive. I was not alive for that because it was in March and I was born in August of 1983. I was not alive for that. My bad. Okay. All right. Christian gets his face time. Let's hear it. Yeah. So I, I, like I said, I prepared, I had a feeling I was going to win. So I, I prepared something and with draft season comes ego season. And I think that what people fail to realize is that they don't know everything. I think that I've seen a lot of pretty negative interactions on Twitter and in group chats and things like that. And I want to, I guess, remind people, and I need to remind myself sometimes that we are all out here learning. And I suggest that if you think that you know everything about prospect evaluation, about fantasy football, about whatever, you don't. Uh, And when you stop trying to learn, I think that that's when people will pass you up. You know, I I am always looking at my process and saying, well, what can I do better? How can I get better at this? What am I seeing? What are you seeing that's different from me regarding a prospect? There was an argument over, I don't know, Isaiah Spiller in one of the group chats I'm in, I think. And a lot of people, uh, you know, got pretty upset. And and that's not how we should be talking ball, guys. You know, I I would say if you want to learn things, talk about football maybe bring some film to the table. If you only use numbers to fix your process and uh, talk with people who do watch football, uh, because I think that right now is a time where everyone wants to be right about everything. And ultimately none of us are going to be right about everything. And even the best in the business are not. Look at the NFL GMs. We talk about how the NFL does stupid things all the time. So uh, 
set your ego aside for a second, realize that we can learn. We can always continue learning. Um, and yeah, that's, that's what I wanted to talk about. So you're muted. We're muted, Kevin. And my job is to unmute myself, but at the same time, it's, <laughs> it's also to be better than the only, the only people I got to be better than is the 11 other dudes in my league. Like, that's how I look at fantasy. Like, I'll just, if I can beat them, I'm fine. Um, and that's kind of how I look at it. But appreciate you guys all tuning in. Please, if you're on the, you know, if you're on the podcast, give us a review. Let us know how we're doing. We appreciate you guys there. Next week on April 5th, we hopefully have a sponsor. And we'll be back at 930 <laughs> Eastern. Until then, I'm Kevin Coleman at the boys underscore 22. I'm Jeff Bell at For Whom J Bell Tolls. And I am Christian Williams at C. Williams NFL. And this is the WRAF.